0: Now, listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All
1: right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Week 13 is in the books, and the Patriots are sitting pretty at 9-3. and three. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill,
0: here to talk about the Patriots, the Vikings, and the week that was in the NFL. Rich, how's it going, buddy? It is going well. Always great coming in after a Patriots victory, especially one where you know it wasn't super comfortable throughout the entire game, but once the fourth quarter came around, we knew how it was going to end, we knew what was taking place, and everything else around the league kind of turned in the Patriots' favor, not entirely, but we can talk about that. But Alec, how are you doing?
1: I'm all right, man. It's funny. You you mentioned that uh, it was kind of close, but this is one of those games, for some reason, I never really doubted it. At any point, especially when the Vikings went three and out for their opening possession, the Patriots marched right down the field and scored. I was like, all right, this game's pretty well in hand. It may have been because I was at a bar and I was drinking, so that might have had a little thing to do with taking the edge off. But <laughs> whatever whatever it was, the Patriots looked good. We'll get to that in a minute, though. Let's talk about the week that was in the NFL. You mentioned, Rich, that it kind of shook out well in the Patriots' favor. I agree with that. The big one, in my opinion, is the Chargers beating the Steelers, 33-30. to which more or less knocked them out of the two seed. They can still get it, obviously, depending on how the weeks shake out going forward, but that was a big blow for the Steelers. They've now dropped two in a row. Did you see that game at all?
0: Yeah, I actually did. I watched bits of it, and I was shocked. I mean, Chargers came back down from 16-0. Everything that we saw that the that the Chargers did well against the Steelers is something that the Patriots will guaranteed be watching and say, okay, uh, you're going to cover Keenan Allen with a linebacker. And <laughs> yeah. so, of course, Allen had a great day. And sure, the the Chargers benefit from, a I believe it was a punt return for a touchdown, and the Steelers did very much so blow that big lead. But James Conner is now dealing with an ankle injury for the Steelers. And if I'm the Patriots, I'm looking at this game and saying, all right, Keenan Allen in the slot. Sure, we have Julian Edelman who can definitely be productive there, but why not try Josh Gordon there? Why not try Josh Gordon in the slot and see what happens? I wouldn't be shocked if we saw that a time or two against Pittsburgh, but whatever played forward on that Sunday night, Patriots have to be happy with it. It gives them some breathing room with the Steelers. Of course, the Patriots will have to win out in order to get that bye week because the Houston Texans have an absolute cakewalk of a schedule, but this means that the Patriots have some breathing room, so they won't be the four seed.
1: No, it's true. And the four seed is not what you want to be. It's funny, man. I feel like nobody's talking to the Texans. They're like, Oh, the chiefs and Patriots, one and two, the Texans are half a game back from the two seed. And as you mentioned, they have a very easy schedule and they've won nine straight. If I am not mistaken, they just cannot lose, and they look good. Why do you think no one's really talking about Houston? It's because their postseason record isn't stellar, and no one trusts them in the postseason. Or is it just because the Patriots and, and the Chiefs look so good, and the Patriots, and the Patriots, they're flying under the radar?
0: Well, yeah. So Houston started zero three, and so for everyone, I'm sure that kind of eliminated them from the the ranks of the good teams. And then they won their next two games in overtime, so very, very barely. And so people are like, okay, they're definitely not a good team. <laughs> like that kind of very much verified it. But JJ Watt rounded into form around there. They have one nine in a row. Deshaun Watson has looked very, very good. And uh, they've only had three turnovers in their past six games, which is also very, very strong after they turned the ball over like 20 times in the first six weeks. So the, the the Texans have pulled it all together. Deshaun Watson has put his torn ACL in the past. They're getting some production out of the running game. Lamar Miller is looking very, very good. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is obviously still his great self. They acquired Demarius Thomas, who, you know, all things considered, has been very quiet for the the houston texans but so long as you have hopkins out there you have one of the the top five receivers in the entire league so houston has a very very dynamic offense they have one of the best defenses in the league it just took them some time to round out and when the rest of the league is talking about the chiefs or the saints or the rams and how hot of a start they got out to these teams that didn't have a great start got swept by the side, and we could honestly put the Patriots into the similar category of, you know what, oh the Patriots aren't looking that great this year. I mean they're nine and three. Texans are nine and three. These are two very, very good teams. Maybe they didn't get to nine and three the way that people would have liked, but they're there all the same.
1: They are. And speaking of teams not really doing that well, the Jaguars beat the Colts, Rich. Six to nothing. Oof. Did not see a minute of that game and could not be happier about it. What a disaster that is for Indy. I don't think Indy's making the playoffs anyway this year, so not the hugest loss for them, but to lose six nothing, to not have to hold a offense to less than a touchdown and still put nothing up on the board. Very embarrassing.
0: Yeah, especially when Andrew Luck had been on—I believe it was like an eight-game streak of three or more touchdown passes, or it might have been seven games. There was something ridiculous with how productive he had been. I know that the Jaguars have a good defense, but you—you know, you definitely want to go out there and put up more than six points. I don't want to be like John Madden, but yeah, you got to score points if you want to win the game. And so now the the Colts are six and five. It snapped their big win streak. They are one of four teams at six and six inside the AFC. They are chasing the seven and five Baltimore Ravens for the sixth seed. Uh, another one of those six and six teams was the Miami Dolphins, who managed to topple the Buffalo Bills 21-17. Josh Allen tried to make a miraculous comeback. Did not do it because Charles Clay dropped the ball in the end zone. I know it was like a little bit of a sprawling catch attempt, but probably should have made it. What was your thought on that game? Yeah, Josh
1: Allen is interesting. You know, obviously he was a mobile quarterback in college. His accuracy was called into question, and that's what you're seeing as a starter in the NFL. The Bills are one of those teams I feel like they're coming on a little too late and they're going to play spoiler. I think we talked about this in a past podcast but how the Bills' defense is very solid. Their offense is doing enough with Allen. They have to be happy with what they're seeing for next year. They're not making the playoffs this year, obviously, but I was hoping the Bills would upset the Dolphins, give the Patriots a little bit more breathing room in the AFC. It's not going to happen. I don't know. I haven't really watched much Dolphins football this year, but I feel like you could give me a Dolphins game from 2018 – through 2014 and asked me to guess which year i'm watching
0: i would have no clue (laughs) yeah i mean i mean the afc east is exactly who we thought they would be dolphins very very average bills sub-average jets same category as the bills they are not good teams I, i think if we went back and listened to our very first podcast of this season We knew what was going to happen. Patriots are going to win this one. They are one week away from clinching the AFC East. We'll we'll break that down in the podcast on Thursday. But the Dolphins, roughly a 500 team, Bills and Jets. They're going to win around a third of the games this year. That's all you can expect from them. Uh, Maybe they have brighter futures. I, I thought Josh Allen did not do enough overall this year to make me think that he's really going to be the future he had a great game against the Dolphins he did a very very good job with that one but whole body of work this AFC East picture is the exact same as what you said no different over the past few years
1: no, it's not. And the Patriots are comfortably atop that division, courtesy of yet another win at home against the Vikings this past Sunday. Kirk Cousins versus Tom Brady wasn't really a contest. I thought the Patriots looked fine offensively. They ran the ball well. They return of Rex Burkhead was a nice boost. They got the passing game going late. They figured it out later on in the game. But the big story to me, uh, Rich, the big storyline here is the defense, not only in holding Minnesota to 10 points – but holding Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs to a combined seventy seven yards, which is one half for one of those guys usually. And their aggressiveness, their they're bullying, they're 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 dialing up blitzes, they're getting creative on the front. You saw kind of that I think they call it the bus stop defense, where all the guys are just kind of standing around waiting for the snap and they all rush. You don't know what's going on. Really creative play calling for Brian Flores. I and mean, we've been kind of waiting for that all year. It was really good to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we definitely should talk about the Patriots' defense because they were the stars of this game. Holding any team to 10 points is great. But when you have such a good receiving duo of Adam Thalen and Stephon Diggs, That's such a great showing. I think they had 77 yards and a touchdown combined on the entire day, which was, let me say this, their least productive day of the season. So Diggs and Phelan individually broke that point of 77 yards and a touchdown on 11 out of their 12 games this year. You know, or actually, sorry, 10 out of their 11 games, Diggs was hurt for one game. So out of 10 of the 11 games where both Diggs and Phelan played, they individually surpassed their 77 yard production on their own. So, Hats off to Stephon Gilmore, who, according to Pro Football Focus, is the number one cornerback in the NFL. He did an outstanding job covering Stefan Diggs. He only allowed one reception in coverage. Really, everything else was uh, kind of the product of a slip screen, so there wasn't so much that he could do about it. And they did a great job tackling in the open field. Jason McCourty teamed teamed up with Devin McCourty, and what you know we've been waiting for all year was that that twin kind of mind meld and they erased Adam Thalen from the game apart from that two minute drill to end the first half. So kudos to the Patriots secondary, really, really great job for them. Uh, who, Who was your star for the Patriots defense?
1: Yeah, it's really, really tough to, to pick one guy, but I'm going to have to go with Jason McCourty. I, I really like what he's done. You touched on him, the McCourty twins. Even though both McCourty's got burned in a touchdown, it's kind of ironic to have both McCourty twins in coverage and smoking them both. That's got to be some kind of record. No one's ever burned two twins at once in the NFL before. But other than that, I think he has been a lights out cornerback, especially looking at where he was in preseason and training camp, and now he was so buried on the depth chart. Uh, I want, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy all that back. As much as I like Jason McCordy and I think he deserves the credit, I actually forgotten about JC Jackson. Rookie. There we go. Um, what he did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch mid. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull a, a Roger Goodell and, just, and, and, and completely ignore what I just said and just pretend to make up a new truth on the spot. <laughs> Uh, I go J.C. Jackson. One of those guys, I think it was Joe Buck in the the announcer booth, said Belichick is creating another player. He's like Frankensteining himself a nice slot cornerback in J.C. Jackson. You saw Kirk Cousins thinking he's the weak spot in the secondary, targeted him several times. They ended up with a pass broken up and a Daron Harmon pick courtesy of J.C. Jackson. What a gem that guy has turned out to be, excited for his potential
0: coming forward. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was going to highlight that if you, uh, if you hadn't gedelled that one. I was say yeah. J.C. Jackson had three targets against him in the red zone or in the end zone, zero completions. One of them, as you said, was the interception. He has left uh Jonathan Jones in the depth chart. Jones even managed to record an interception, but J.C. Jackson is now the pretty clear number three cornerback. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they flipped that next week and they gave Kenny Stills to to jonathan jones but when you're looking at the receivers out there you got your laquan treadwells uh you got your Aldrich robinsons they said you know what jc jackson you're our guy we think that you have a little bit more ability on the outside than jonathan jones that makes some sense the the vikings put adam Thielen in the slot and so that's why they use bracket coverage with both john uh, jason McCordy and devin McCordy. if the number uh, or I guess if the number three receiver were on the inside versus the outside like they were against the Vikings, maybe we'd see more Jonathan Jones. But JC Jackson, man, what a surprise. What a great, great production. It always is nice to see those undrafted players do well. Love when that happens. Uh, I want to give a little bit of a shout out or more of a question for you to the defensive front seven, because sure, Dalvin Cook had nine carries for 84 yards for a ridiculous 9.3 yards per carry that's nothing that you want to see but the Patriots made Danny Shelton a healthy scratch Landon Roberts though probably had one of his strongest gains and this is something that I think has flown under the radar a little bit I want to touch on this is that Alandon Roberts has seemed to have taken some strides in recent weeks. You know, I I think over his first two years in the league, he was very much a liability in coverage. And then uh, when he was up there against the run, he was plunging the wrong gaps. I feel like we haven't seen that as much lately. What's your thought?
1: No, it's true. Uh, You know, and he's one of those guys, like Alandon Roberts is interesting in that he's one of those those players that usually when his name got called is because he messed up in some capacity. That hasn't really been happening in a while. I will say, though, I really have to question the Vikings' play calling. If you have Dalvin Cook rushing nine yards a carry, getting nine carries, 13 total carries for the Vikings, I don't understand why they they abandoned the run game. So I have to factor that in as well for this front seven, but – not only that, I think that there's a, a really interesting mix of talent along this front line, and Brian Flores is really starting to to move guys around, make different different personnel groupings, and you saw Dre, Dre Flowers playing nose, and you saw uh, Lawrence Guy out on the edge, and I think that will allow Landon Roberts – to maybe be a little more creative and a little more instinctual. You know, some players like Jamie Collins, back when he was with the Patriots, is a very instinctual player. He's instinctive. He kind of reacts and reads, and sometimes it works. When it doesn't, it really doesn't. Some guys are, are a little better at kind of rapid reacting to the play, whatever's going on. So it might be a scenario where Flores is pulling a Belichick and realizing I have to cater this defense to individual skill sets rather than ensure the plays I want to make. And they're allowing Roberts off the leash a little bit. I'm not sure how much we'll see that kind of bus stop defense we saw against the Vikings, but obviously very effective. But again, I do have to question why Kirk Cousins threw the ball 44 times when they're running the ball so effectively.
0: Oh, yeah, that was like a really poor choice by the Vikings. I I do think that the Patriots were enticing them to run the ball. And, I mean, if you don't have Danny Shelton, you only have your two-player rotation of Lawrence Skye and Malcolm Brown out there. They didn't do a great job out there against the Vikings. I mean, Cook was gashing them at any turn. But still, the Vikings decided not to. This was reminiscent of when the Patriots played the Broncos in 2013, where I believe it was C.J. Anderson, they allowed him to have a big day on the ground, and that just took the ball out of the air. And so... The Patriots said we're going to dedicate more of our defensive resources to double-teaming Adam Thalen on every single snap. We're going to have Stephon Gilmore take Stephon Diggs on an island. And it worked out. It worked out well for the Patriots. They won all their matchups on defense. You have to be super happy anytime you only allow 10 points. So that was a great showing for them. Uh, I want to turn my focus a little bit to the offensive side of the Patriots ball because possibly the player of the entire game was Mr. James Devlin. Yeah. Alec, who saw that coming? No, I mean, I feel like we've been singing his
1: praises pretty vehemently all season, Rich, so good for you and me for, for calling <laughs> this one. Um, I wrote in my, my fan notes this week. I think he's actually maybe the MVP of the offense this year. Um, it's not going to show up on the stat sheets, but if you look at what he's able to do, he's a running back, obviously, for his two-touchdown day. He is a phenomenal blocker. He can block every single gap you need him to block. He can pull if he needs to for the edge. You can motion him out wide as a receiver. He can play tight end. He hasn't thrown a pass yet, but that's pretty much the only thing he hasn't done this entire – literally, he's the only thing he's not done offensively for this team is thrown a pass. That'll be the day. The James Devlin to Tom Brady connection. That'll be amazing. He's just such a, a force, and especially in a offensive scheme – that really seems to rotate around the running back. It's amazing what the return of Sony Michelle has done for this team. I thought Rex Burkhead looked great in limited action. The Patriots rushed the ball 39 times uh, on Sunday, which is a great number, including two rushes for Tom Brady for five yards, 1,000 yards. Congrats to Tommy B. Overall, <laughs> though, I just think that this 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 team is going to go as far as the running game can take them because for the passing game, again, they looked fine. There's nothing that really blew me away in the receiving game. Uh, They looked good. I like the fact that there were a bunch of different targets that caught a pass. But I really think the 2018 Patriots are a run-first team.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, they had 160 total rushing yards on the ground, everyone combined. Uh, I believe they had, what, seven people take various carries over the course of the day. So they're doing it by any means necessary. This was their fourth most productive rushing game in the entire season. Uh, last week against the New York Jets was their number one. So back-to-back weeks, Patriots have had extraordinary games on the ground. Hat tip to Shaq Mason for doing such a great job in the entire offensive line. But the Patriots have done a really good job of racking up yards on the offense. Past two weeks against the Jets and the Vikings ranked number two and number three for the Patriots this year in yards on offense, 498 last week, 471 this week. But they haven't found a way to punch it into the end zone on a regular basis. You know, 27 points last week, 24 this week, probably based off of the yards. They should have been in the 30s, if you think about it, you know, 80 yards per touchdown. Uh, they they should have been doing a lot more of the scoring What's going on with the Patriots? I mean, we saw that Josh Gordon took some time to get involved. Julian Edelman, only 25 yards receiving, five incomplete passes in his direction. Rob Gronkowski is a ghost this year. What's happening with the Patriots offense in the red zone?
1: Yeah, man, I'm glad you brought up Rob Gronkowski because I really think that is the crux of it. Uh, part of it, I will say before I get to Gronk, is the play calling. Some really questionable play calling, I think, from the Patriots. You have James Devlin, you have Sony Michel, you have Tom Brady, who for some reason has stopped sneaking it. I don't understand why that is, but he hasn't snuck the ball in a very long time. I don't understand if you're first and goal with the one, why you don't follow James Devlin in with Sony Michel. I don't get it. Or Rex Burkhead now, that he's back. Even Cordero Patterson can carry the ball and get positive yardage. So I'm very curious of the play calling inside of five yards. And Rob Gronkowski, I, I hate saying this, Rich, but I think it is an, is in his best interest as a person who has to live a life after football to retire sooner rather than later. He's coming off multiple back surgeries, multiple ankle and knee and arm surgeries and concussions and beat up. He's just not a – elite game changer anymore still a very good blocking tight end still one of the better tight ends in the league not like he's useless out there but I don't know if opposing defenses are game planning for Rob Gronkowski the way they used to and he was such a red zone threat you start him out close to the line he'd motion out they'd play action him he was so uncoverable in the red zone and I don't know how many times Tom Brady looked his way inside of 10 yards I I'd be amazed if it was five carries, uh, five looks all season. And so if they have no real legit red zone threat, which is not Gronkowski,
0: it limits your playbook. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and Gronk hasn't looked himself. There was a few plays, one of them when he couldn't extend over that first down marker where I was like, oh, Gronk, what's going on here? Like vintage Gronk, any other year of his career Gronk absolutely would have gotten that first down. There are a few more where it just felt like, okay, he's just trying to to get this game over with. You know, he wants to stay healthy, which I completely understand. And I'm conflicted right now. I don't know if there's a mix of trying to keep him healthy for the postseason and then he'll erupt then and maybe retire after the season, but Whatever the case, you they can't rely on Gronkowski as a receiving threat week in, week out. And As a result, they have to look other directions. You never want James White to be your leading receiver, even though he's entirely capable of doing it. Fortunately, Josh Gordon was able to emerge down the stretch there, three catches, 58 yards, and a touchdown. He's done a really nice job with the Patriots, but at the end of the day, what we're seeing is one of the least productive passing offenses of the Belichick era I mean you see what Tom Brady's doing right now he's throwing a touchdown four per six percent of the time that is his fourth lowest touchdown rate of his career ahead of only 2001 and 2003 where he did 4.4 percent that was before Brady was really Brady so sure we'll take that Uh, And then 2013, which we can all agree is the worst Brady season of probably the past decade. So the fact that Tom is barely beating those seasons out right now from a touchdown rate shows that not necessarily knock on Tom, but that the receiving options for the Patriots aren't of the same caliber as they were in previous years. Edelman has never been a red zone threat, but for whatever reason, the trio of Gordon Gronkowski and Chris Hogan have not been productive in the red zone. They've been fine in between the 20s. They need to really step up in the final quarter of the season if the Patriots red zone offense is going to and if the Patriots are going to have a chance against the better competition in the AFC.
1: Well, I'll tell you, man, we'll know more about the Rob Gronkowski situation against the Pittsburgh Steelers. If he does not go off against the Steelers, you know something's seriously wrong because he eats them for lunch every single time he plays them. It's funny, you think Gronkowski, Edelman, Burkhead slash Sonny Michelle slash James White, Josh Gordon, Cordero Patterson, James Devlin, that's a potent red zone offense on paper. But you're right, they just can't seem to get it together. It's December it may be a scenario where the defense is rounding into shape and they won't need to score 30 points a game, which is fine with me. I'd, I'd much rather be able to win 24-10 to 10 than 38-35. Than to 35. I'll, I'll take these games every single time because there's more confidence and more ability and a defense that plays well, stays on the field less time, gives you off more time to rest. I'm okay with all of that. But, yeah, man, there's just something, even though they're 9-3, they're probably going to get a first-round bye if they take care of business. There's just something about the 2018 Patriots that's just a little bit off. And I know it sounds spoiled and whiny to have a, a nine and three AFC East Championship team. You're complaining about how they're not winning the right way, but there's just something not quite right about this team. And maybe they can turn it up in the postseason, but I feel like there's there's a fatal flaw somewhere on this roster that may cause them to stumble on their ultimate goal of winning a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and maybe we can bank on the defense for carrying them the entire way. You know, who would have thought that this Patriots team would be carried by their defense and their rushing attack? That kind of seems to be where we are right now. Uh, we'll definitely see. We'll break we'll down Patriots versus the Dolphins on our upcoming podcast on Thursday. Uh, Alec, do you have any final thoughts on this Patriots victory against the Minnesota Vikings?
1: Nope. Good win. Two tough games on the road coming up, so let's get it done.
0: Oh, absolutely. And until next time, Alec, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later. Later.